three, two, one, and welcome back to the SBH podcast. <clears throat> so in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about, well, really, I've been fishing really hard and um, after a very unfortunate event. So I guess the main topic of this is going to be, why are the big, big fish in so early? And, um, and I got shocked, and it's going to be about how I lost my first big fish of the season. But before we get into that in particularly, I'm going to be talking about today, today, excuse me, um, I'm going to be talking about uh, just the ridiculous amount of bait fish. And now, it's different, it's actually a really good thing. This is not little bait fish, this is large bunker this is big 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 bunker and i've had multiple run run-ins with the bunker this past week and i feel like the podcast must not be soon like uh, i might might have to do two podcasts a week now because so much is happening each week that like i have so much to talk about right now so um yeah i want to get at it i want to get after it right now so uh, I'm going to start this all off. Um, at the beginning of the week, I was doing, like, I believe that there was a lot of really small fish around, and they just started to show up, and they're being aggressive, or at least more aggressive, and um, I was doing a lot of fly fishing earlier this week, um, to the point that, like, I mean, I was only fly fishing, because I was like, you know, if I want to, if I want to catch if I want to catch schoolies, I don't need to be necessarily, I can catch them on a lighter spinning rod, which is fine. It was fun. And I was using soft plastics and, you know, I was doing fine with a little like six inch sluggo and an owner beast hook. And I was just, I was catching a bunch of fish. And then, um, I was, I thought to myself, okay, I think it's time to just upgrade, um, or downgrade, I guess it's time to downgrade to a fly rod. Um, and I was, I fished, 20 pound tippet to uh, like, I don't know, slow sinking fly line. Um, and again, I personally am not a big fly fisherman at all. Couldn't even tell you the name of the fly that I was fishing, but um, I switched to the, to a, to fly fishing. And I had this one little green and chartreuse colored fly and I was killing it with this thing. I was catching so, so many fish. For two days, I was catching bass pretty high up into the 20 inches. You know, I got a, a few that were like a, probably a just under keeper to around keeper size bass. And I was doing very, very well. And so one day, let's call it, I think it was Tuesday, um, I went out with the fly rod again. And... Um, it was super flat, calm, super sunny. It was a north wind, um, and I was just not—I was not really expecting much. And so I go out there, and I'm and I'm fishing with my. This is not a big fly, by the way. It's probably about that big. And um, I cast it out there, uh, and I'm looking in the water, and I have polarized sunglasses on. The water's super clear and calm, and I'm seeing a bunch of schoolies swimming around. I had a few like chase them up, and then there's a boulder. And probably two feet of water or maybe three on top of that boulder. And I just fire a cast out on, on top of that boulder. And I take about four strips to my line and I hook into a fish. Now, I've been catching schoolie-sized striped bass for the past, I don't know, maybe three days before that. And every single time you like strip set into a schoolie-sized striped bass, they move a little bit, you know, there's not much resistance from like a 20 to maybe 27 inch bass, 28 inch bass. You hook into it, it will move a little bit. But I hooked, I hooked set into this fish and it didn't move. Like I hooked into it, I thought it might've been snagged. And then classically, um, what happens when you hook a big fish, it kind of does big head shakes, kind of comes up to the surface, thrashes at the surface for a little bit. And then it takes off. And as soon as it came up to the surface, it was all of 40 inches. It was, and I'm gonna give you a range here. It was probably between 38 and 40 inches, maybe a little over, like I would say probably about 38 to 42 inches, I would say. 
that would be my range for the fish. I think it was about 40 inches. But anyway, so I've never really hooked a fish bigger than 28 inches on a fly rod before. Um, these are the biggest fish I've ever caught on a fly rod. So I was having a ball because I'm catching like, I mean, a 28-inch bass on a fly rod is fun. And I, I am fishing with a 10 weight, and I am fishing with a behemoth, a, Redding, a Reddington behemoth fly reel. Um, and so, you know, I have pretty big tackle, but I can't really utilize that when I have 20-pound test on. And I'm fishing the spot off the rocks, and I'm fishing the spot that, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable hooking a, a fish of that size with 30 pound test on a spinning reel you know i wouldn't be confident hooking into that fish so um and especially in that area there's just so many danger you know if it goes left or right it's going to get me right into a rock but luckily this fish decided to just go straight and um it it just it started running straight out and as it started to run my fly line jumped up above my head i was crazy i was like wow this thing's going for it and I'm putting like a little bit of pressure on it, but I'm not going crazy here. And then, you know, go, gets into my reel and I would super like drag on my reel, virtually no drag on the reel because I wasn't really getting the fish to the reel at that point. I mean, there were nice fish and a few of them would get onto the reel and I would let them get into my backing or let them get close to my backing. But I wasn't really like, you know, I was, I've never really had a fish go into my backing before. And this fish takes off and it's the second most helpless I've ever felt fighting a fish in my life, a uh, striped bass to be exact. So I, the fish takes me into, a, into the reel and I'm sitting there with the fly reel and it's running and running and running and running and running and I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I can't do anything. I tightened it to a drag that I thought 20 pound test should be able to handle um, and it's just running straight. And the interesting thing is the fish didn't actually go into the rocks or on either side. It just went straight out deep into the water because I was on a pretty deep cliff. And it just runs and runs and runs. And um, yeah, just I could not stop it. I really, really could not stop it. And uh, it was probably, I don't know, 50 yards away from me. And then I just feel my line go pop. And I'm like, okay, I saw that coming. I wasn't like super devastated at that point because... I mean, to be honest, it would have been amazing to catch a 40-inch bass on a fly rod. Uh, and even people on boats, you know, you struggle to catch a fish like that on a boat. What are, like, what are the odds that you can catch a fish like that from shore? And then on top of that, catch it from shore on the rocks. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Um, and so it would have been cool to catch it, but I, I kind of felt bittersweet about it. I was angry but not as angry as I feel like I should have been. Um, I And I think a lot of that has to do to the fact that, um, and I hate saying it, but I feel like I'm pretty acclimatized to fish of that size uh, after last year. Catching that was like a good average sized fish for me last year. So I was angry, but I wasn't like super, super upset. Um, and it didn't really, it's not going to keep me up at night, but it's really cool that I hooked it on the fly rod. The only reason I'm, I'm thinking to myself that it's not going to keep it up, keep me up at night is because I, um, I actually didn't believe that there's a fish of that size around this early. I was shocked that um, there's fish around this early that are that big, and I was just, I just, I'm just, I'm so sick of dealing with schoolie sized bass. Not like I love catching schoolie bass; like it's, a, it's a lot of fun to catch fish. I'd rather catch fish than no fish, but um, I'm, and I'm not getting sick of the schoolies. I guess I just said I was, but. It's kind of hard to put into words. I'm very, I'm very excited for the larger fish at that point. You know, I'm tired of targeting small fish. I want to start targeting bigger fish. Even though I'm still having fun catching the smaller fish, I just want to start targeting bigger fish. And so I guess that's a good way to put it. And so when I, when I hooked into that fish, I was like, thank God there are fish of this size back. Because I was so, I was so excited just to know that there's a fish of that size around so that I could completely change my game plan and start fishing bigger plugs and start fishing the way I would in the middle of the season, which is extraordinary for this time of year. Um, and then, so what I was doing is I was fishing, um, yeah, anyway, so I hook this fish, it pops, um, and I reel in my line. It turns out it snapped my uh, leader um, probably 
uh, I think it was probably, I don't know, maybe four inches above my leader knot um, to that fly. And so my hypothesis is that the bass ate the fly. It was pretty deep in its mouth. Um, and as it was running, it was doing a bunch of head shakes. And bass do have a pretty sharp, like, uh, mouth pad um, of teeth. It's not really teeth, but they're, like, pretty sharp mouth pad anyway. Um, and that's why, like, if you lip a bunch of bass, your thumb gets all torn up. But I think over, like, a few head shakes with 20-pound tippet, uh, or leader or whatever that was um it's gonna it's gonna fray a bit and then the security of the line is gonna be much less i don't think it hit got me into a rock honestly because it was really deep there and i don't think it was that deep i think it was maybe eight feet under the water in a 35 foot depth so um yeah i don't think it got me into a rock i think it just shook its head one too many times and just nicked my leader it was in a good position for me to have landed that fish if my line didn't break though because i feel like if my line didn't break on that initial run and this is a good rule of thumb for a lot of you the two times you're going to lose a fish is the initial run and when it's right by the rock um but because that initial run is going to make sure your gear is correct and then you're going to and then if you're going to lose the fish um right by the rock you're going it's because you're going to be making a mistake um in close which is brutal and because i've had it happen to me before when i was much less experienced with big fish um and it's it's very brutal when you lose a fish right at your feet but that's where you lose fish you know when that first initial run and when the bass are right at your feet um and so but the the crazy thing was that day was amazing after that i caught bass up to probably 28 inches and i caught i don't know maybe 15 bass are all in that mid to high 20 inch range and uh, I was I was pretty I was very very stoked um, just because I had such a great day um, and I was I caught a lot of a lot of solid fish um, and then later that week um, I don't know maybe two days after that <laughs> um, we I was fishing and oh this gets crazy up to today today was insane too so not only was like not only was this week crazy today in particular saw some stuff that is insane but we'll get to that towards the end um anyway so then i'm fishing um a few days afterwards and there's a there's a lot of birds working out like tons of them just right i don't know maybe 300 yards offshore just doing something with bait you know i don't know what bait it is i'm assuming it was probably bunker you know, at the time I was assuming it was bunker and the, the bass were maybe out there on it. Maybe they weren't. I don't I didn't really know what was going on. And then I came back. So I pretty much have been fishing twice a day forever this, since the season started. So I came back that night cause that was in the morning time and, um, the bass were in close or the bass, the, the bait was in close. So there's a lot of birds diving around. I don't know, maybe 50 yards offshore, so definitely within reasonable casting distance. Um, and they're just they're working bait around, and um, and I'm set up on a rock, and I'm casting, casting around, and I'm seeing these birds work, and uh, I got a few swirls from fish, and I'm like getting pretty excited, and uh, I'm doing a plug change, um, and this is when the I so actually before that, so I'm fishing. And I keep seeing things jump out of the water, jump out of the water, jump out of the water, getting closer to me. And they're like flat in their fish. And I'm like, what is this? Is it a bunker? I mean, it's about a bunker size, but it's super flat. So I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, this has got to be bunker. I don't know what else it could be. Um, so I, I knew it was bunker. So I was switching to the Pumbaa plug double jointed swimmer, which by the way, is surprisingly realistic when it swims. Oh my God that plug looks amazing in the water. Um, and so I'm switching to that. I'm, I look at like I'm just putting the plug on the tactile anglers clip and probably eight feet in front of me, I just see this bass go whoosh, through the, uh, like on, a, on bait right in front of me. I kid you not, that was the biggest bass I've ever seen in my life. Now, I don't wanna say it was as big as I 
think it might have been. But if it was as big as I thought it was, again, I saw it out of the corner of my eye, but oh my God, the swirl that it made from that was just mind blowing. If that was as big as I think it was, it was at least high 50 pounds. Um, at least it was huge. It was the big, it was the widest, the biggest thing. It was huge. It was giant. And, um, I got, I was like, like lost my mind and just hooked on my thing. And I pitched it out in that thing. I was like, I write out where the, where the bass swirled. And I was like, I was ready for like a 50 pounder to whack it. Um, and unfortunately nothing. And, um, I fished all that night. I had a few sw bass swirl up on the, the plug, but yeah, I didn't get a single fish that night, even though there's bunker and there nothing. And the bite died. Like all the action that I was seeing during the day died at night. And I've been fishing into the night and I've not caught a fish at night yet this year. I don't know what is going on. Maybe I'm not fishing long enough. I think that's probably, that's like, I think it's to my detriment and is me not fishing long enough in certain areas that I know are productive. I think that I might need to tackle them like super early in the morning. Um, and I think that that is kind of the key here. I think that like 12 to maybe three in the morning might be the hottest bite right now, but I don't know. I need to go give it a shot. Um, and so there's just ridiculously big fish, by the way, there was a ridiculously big fish and I'm just, I can't even believe it because I checked my watch here and it's like May 19th. Now it's May 19th, but it was like, what, maybe the 15th when I saw that. So, um, yeah, like what is going on here? You don't normally see bass like that until June um, around here, like realistically. And then off the rocks too. I mean, we definitely do see bass early and I don't know why more people don't fish off the rocks early in the season because you have shots at a 50 pound bass in May, in mid-May, not even late May. This is, well, I guess this is pretty much late May, but um, anyway, but there's like some ridiculously big fish and I'm just, I'm just shocked, you know, that I saw a fish like that. Um, and so, uh, I, f I did a lot of fishing. I fished with rig deals, although the rig deal is way too, I mean, you saw me rig it. The thing is huge. Uh, I, I almost think it's too big for this early in the season when I know like there's a good bite going on, I'm pulling that thing out. And you guys, there's a podcast where I rigged that eel. You know how big that eel is. That thing's massive. I fished with that today. Um, and I rigged that back in August or whatever. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty Rig deals are interesting. I think that's something that I need to look into more because live eels are very expensive and very difficult to deal with. And a rigged one is very durable actually. So I think I need to get some medium, like medium sized eels. I want to get ones that are like 13, 14 inches instead of like 22 inches or how big that one was. I think that that's like the, the ones that are like that big and like maybe that thick around are going to be perfect for like perfect for um, rig deals. Uh, and I have some decent sized hooks or, that I have just, um, like exactly this size hook. Uh, it's like, I don't know, maybe a, I want to say maybe it's a seven or eight, just live bait J hook from VMC. It's a pretty big hook, but, um, I'm like, I'm in like my fishing shirt and stuff right now. Cause I just got back from fishing tonight. So let's get into today. Um, at least. Uh, so I've been doing, and the reason I haven't, like I'm doing the podcast the same day I'm like, it's Wednesday today and it's Wednesday night. And this is going to be uploaded later tonight. Um, but I just came back from fishing. Um, and the bunker schools were offshore. Uh, I need to figure out my life here. So today woke up not very early, got out there by like, I don't know, maybe nine, eight or nine o'clock. I was out on the rocks um, and I get out there and I'm fishing and I'm not really catching anything. The waves are huge, by the way. There's no wind, very, very little wind. And, uh, the waves are massive, like massive, like as big as they've been all like bigger, the biggest waves all season so far. Um, and I, I was fishing 
I was fishing and I looked up for a second and I saw out of the corner of my eye about, I don't know, maybe 20, 25, 30, I don't know, it was a decent amount of bass that were all probably between 25 and 30 pounds, 20 to 30 pound fish, just blitzing on bunker, probably 300 yards away, maybe two, two or 300 yards, like just under casting or just over casting distance. Um, and I'm just sitting there casting a pencil at him. I had a lighter rod this morning. If I had a little bit bigger rod, I might have been able to get into him, but um, I had a lighter rod. I ca I was casting pencils at him. I couldn't quite get out for far enough. And then sure enough, sure enough, somebody had to drive in. This is, okay, here's the deal. If you own a boat and there's fish blitzing, whether there's somebody on shore or not, if there's somebody on shore, you shouldn't even like realistically they own that school of blitzing fish in my opinion because you know how easy it is for you and your boat to go mark a fish or go drive you know like a hundred a mile two miles offshore where the bass were like where i saw a bass getting or like birds working bait like 200 or like a mile offshore if you're in a boat and you see that happening where there's somebody fishing them from shore and not only that the fish were moving closer to me there you could see them like across the surface like big big fish just rolling on bait across the surface and they were just stacked up and just rolling on bait it wasn't like they're like really blitzing but they're rolling on bait and they were big and the fact that i could see them from 200 yards away and they were they looked big from 200 yards away um means that they were big big fish and um yeah so i'm sitting there and i'm watching these bass just rolling over on this bait and this boat comes flying along and i'm like here we go and the guy goes right literally not even joking drives 10 feet away from the fish you know at full speed parks the boat you know and gets his jig hook his snag hook out there launches a snag hook out there and tries to snag a bunker or something. I don't know what the hell is going on. And all the fish disappeared. Boom, gone. So the moral of that story is when you're a guy in a boat, you want to, first of all, you see birds working on bait, drive 100 yards away from the thing, stop your boat, look at where the fish are, because most of the time bass will move in the direction they're blitzing. They don't like blitz in one area and then disappear when they're doing what they were just doing there, which is they're cruising along the surface, hitting bait, they'd move, like I saw the thing move like 25 yards as like if he just waited a little bit longer and he stood, he like sat there, maybe he snagged his bunker, he got ready, he got ready, he pitched it out there, then he would have had a way better shot of hooking into a fish. And I don't even fish from a boat. And I know that that's what you should be doing because the bass are gonna move towards you. You know, you park, maybe not a hundred yards, but you don't want to get too close to the fish. And even if you do slow your boat down and try to go drift into him, go as slow as you can. And there's a decent current going along there. He could have totally drifted right up into the bass. He did not need to fly in there um, and ruin it for everyone. But regardless, uh, so that happened. Um, so boat people don't do that. That's just bad etiquette. Um, so the anyway so i was like okay hopes are earlier this week this is what i saw bass a little bit far offshore and then later in the day the bass pushed onshore um and late in i was catching i don't know i probably caught that morning oh here we go there's actually more crazy stuff that happened so i'm i'm fishing there's big waves right or by the way i'm in central cape ann right now uh and I was sitting there fishing and all of a sudden fin another fin another fin another fin and I'm like wow there's like a dolphin there's dolphins or porpoises or whatever there are going along out there they weren't whales because they're too small to be whales but they're dolphin or porpoises and I've seen whales there before um, later in the season like right whales and I've seen a humpback whale all in that area but I didn't know that there were dolphins 
Um, I mean, it makes sense that they're a dolphin, but um, I was like, okay, here we go. Now I'm going to hook a fish and have a dolphin steal it from me. But um, yeah, or porpoise. I don't, aren't they porpoises? I have no idea. Anyway, but that's crazy. Tell me if I'm, if that's like a rare thing to see dolphin slash porpoises this like first of all it's cold water it's like not even 50 degrees yet if it's 50 it's barely 50 and um and there was like dolphin slash porpoise out there for sure for sure uh and they're just cruising um i've i've seen that in new jersey i've seen like porpoises or dolphin or whatever like eating bunker and stuff um but i've never seen it um here on Cape Ann. I've seen, as I said, I, I've seen um, whales, but I've never seen uh, porpoises before. So, um, so that was really crazy. So then, t and I caught 10 fish. Um, They're all nice, like probably all borderline keeper fish. They're getting bigger and they're getting bigger and systematically. And the cool thing is they're also, they're also um very, uh, they're very, um, they're very healthy looking fish. They're very healthy, they're very clean, and they're very fat looking fish. And they're full of sea lice. Besides uh, two of the first fish I caught this season that didn't have sea lice, so probably holdovers there in an estuary. Um, and yeah, so I saw those guys and they didn't have sea lice, but the rest of these fish are full of them. So there's some real migration, but the fact of the matter is there's big fish around. So the bass are in, and they're in, in. And they're huge, huge fish on bunker schools. So if you're fishing the estuaries right now in the rivers and you're like, this is where the big fish are, no, 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 you're wrong. The bass are off of the rocks. And the only reason I'm fishing off the rocks is just convenient for me. Um, but the, the, the thing is like, um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be fishing the estuaries I wouldn't necessarily be fishing off the rocks this early if it wasn't convenient. So I would never have seen this bite if it wasn't as convenient as it was. And then I've seen, I've been, I've gotten DM by, by multiple other people saying they're, that they've seen big, big fish on Cape Ann. One person, I don't know if you're listening to the podcast or if you are, you're a viewer of the podcast, but, um, you said that you, or you sent me a picture of a broken SP minnow. I've heard of this happening one other time. But he, he hooked into what he believes. I mean, he saw it. So he said it was a 40-pound bass or 40-plus pound bass and ate just the tail hook of the SP minnow and it snapped it in half. So that's really, really crazy. It just shows you how big it is, how big the bass are. And that's on Cape Ann. And um, yeah, so that's really, that's really crazy to me that there are fish like that. And the fish are feeding on bunker and mackerel. And I, so tonight as well, huge school of mackerel just decided to show up. Um, I was just fishing into the big school of mackerel tonight. And um, I caught one like 28 incher and I have a sick picture of that 28 incher, which you will see tomorrow on my Instagram. Um, it's very, very cool. It's like this, there's like wave mist in the sunset and it's a nice, healthy, fat fish that tore the heck out of my hand when I was trying to hold it. Um, yeah, my my thumbs are so like cut up and beat up. Um, I almost wore a glove and um, <laughs> not even joking. And so uh, I need to, I think, I hope that like my hands will, just, my thumbs will, it will just toughen up over time of just grabbing enough fish, but yeah. Starting to get the blisters back too from the fly rod and the spinning rods and stuff. Um, it's all it's all coming back. My shoulder blades are sore. You know, I've been fishing a lot the past few weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been putting in some work and I've been seeing some real, really good, um, like some really good results of large fish. And on top of that, this Friday, and I'm saying this Friday, we got a new moon. And for everyone, that means, unless you're in Maine, I guess, that means like big, big fish. Because we're pretty far north, so most, I'm guessing most of my listeners are either where I'm at or a little bit, or a little bit, or south of me. And um, so, well, 
find eels. That's the one thing I'm going to say. Find your eels and fish. And if you're on Cape Ann, fish off the rocks with eels because I'm telling you that there it's, I think it's surprising how big these fish are this early. And if you know a spot where the bass are going to push bunker in, um, into at night and they have historically, um, then yeah. And just so you know, if I've, I've scoured by scoured, I've literally called every single tackle store within miles of here within like, I don't know, maybe a 30 minute drive of here. And I can't find anybody that's selling eels. Why does nobody sell eels this early? Like you should be selling eels even before people even believe they have a shot at a big fish if you're a tackle store. Because the fact of the matter is you should have eels before there are big fish in. And um, there are 50 plus pound bass in. So where are the eels at? So what I'm trying to say is if there's a tackle store in Cape Ann that has eels, I'm going to buy them out. Um, so beware. And I'm calling daily. I'm calling daily. I have one tackle store that I think is going to get them before everybody else and I'm buying them out. Swear to God, I'm going to buy like 50 eels and make a little eel farm in my backyard. Oh yeah, I should talk about that too. So as far as eels go, I don't know if I've talked about this. I think I did in the eeling podcast, but I'll talk about it again. Um, how I keep my eels alive is you get a little fish tank or like a terrarium looking thing and you get like a 10 gallon or a 20 gallon filter on that tank and you just throw as many eels as you want in there and they'll last weeks. You can get them last weeks as long as every so often you change the water. I'd say every other day, dump most of the water out and change it. Um, but other than, other than that, you have a filter going on it. Uh, you're, you're golden. You're totally golden. You can catch. You can catch. You can have eels for, for days. And uh, I'm going to totally do this. I need to um, get a new little terrarium. And or you don't even need a terrarium. You can use a bucket, I guess. Maybe I'll just find a bucket somewhere and just throw a bunch of eels, like uh, the thing in it, and a bunch of eels. the the most The most difficult thing about eels is they are the best at escaping. So you need to really make sure you make sure there's no ways for them to get out, and they'll still find a way out. So, um, yeah, that happens a lot. Eels are crafty little buggers, and they're they're designed to be able to come out of the water at night and like slither around on the ground until they find a new body of water. So, um, yeah, so they'll, they find their way around, um, and try to like, you can try your best to keep them shut in, but they're, they're difficult to keep in, but that I've done so well where I, what I'll do is I'll buy like 50 eels. Not really what I, I needed to do. And what I should be doing is I should buy like 50 eels and what I did in the past is I'll buy like 20 eels and they last me two days of fishing at night. But the reason I'm so hyped about eels right now is because they're so keyed in on bunker that you need something that's going to be even more enticing than a bunker to them, which would be a live eel. And live eels are the ultimate. And remember everyone, circle hooks, circle hooks this year. Um, yeah, use circle hooks. Um, I'm using owner circle hooks. Some big like 8-0 size owner circle hooks, inline circle hooks for my eeling this season. I, I don't know how it's going to go. I'll, I'll give you updates about how my hook sets and stuff are going to be with these eels. Oh, my back is so sore. Sorry, I'm just stretching out here. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to fish with eels. As soon as I can find, I, I'm going to probably go on a mission tomorrow. I actually have a lot of stuff to do tomorrow. Oh, okay. Sorry. I keep, I have so many, so much stuff that's going on. I have two things I want to talk about, but I guess we'll stick with the eel topic. Okay. So as far as the eels go, I'm going on a mission at some point in the near future. I'm calling hundred miles around me, literally every tackle store within a hundred miles of me. And I hope one is eels cause I'm going there and buying them out. Um, okay. Like thing number two of what's going on. So Stay tuned for next podcast. I'm going to have a, a really awesome guest on. And he is a, he's a great fisherman. And he is huge on striped bass conservation. 
So we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about striped bass conservation. We're gonna talk a lot about different cool tactics um, in targeting striped bass. We fish very very differently. He fishes a lot in the rivers, um, and he I guess he does fish a fair amount off the rocks with eels. So we both love eeling, but we eel a little bit differently. And um, yeah, so and he's fishing right now, and I'm gonna we're gonna do the podcast tomorrow, and this will come out next week. But he's fishing tomorrow or tonight. Uh, or tomorrow morning or something like that so it'll be cool to see how he's been doing and um yeah i'm super excited to to have that podcast because it's gonna be a super fun one um i'm trying to get a few more guests on now i i feel like i've gotten to the point where i've kind of exhausted a lot of topics i do have a lot to talk about because i fish so much so i just have things that come into my head throughout the week uh which i like to talk about in the podcast because then it's like like real time ideas of what happens each week and little updates and striped bass migration updates and stuff but uh yeah super excited for that for him and uh yeah i think you guys will be super um i think you guys will really like if you don't know who he is right now you guys will really like him and want to follow his stuff because he's huge into striped bass conservation he knows a lot about it um and uh yeah so it's gonna be a great podcast anyway so and then the other thing i really wanted to talk about is the pilot episode for the striped bass hunt show is going to come out hopefully at the end of next week. So a trailer, we're going to put out a trailer, um, in the next few days, a trailer is coming out. Um, and then a pilot episode will be coming out at some point next week, uh, or at the end of next week, I guess. So, um, yeah, I'm, that's like super, super big news. So you guys can kind of get a little feel for what and how, uh, the show is going to be and what it's going to be about and um, how the filming is going to be and everything it is so cool. It's one of the, it's by far the best thing that we've ever produced. Um, it is the, it's so cool, you know, and the thing is, it just really shows you how difficult it is to catch the first bass of the season, you know, trying, trying at it as well, trying to catch a fish as early and as early as you can. You know how difficult it is to do that. Um, you know, I I caught a bat. The the thing is, uh, this spring was way was so much more difficult than last spring. Last spring we had bass in early, and we had bass eating big bait early, and they were aggressive, and they're hitting top water, and they're really being aggressive. We didn't as have as big fish as early as we do this year. Um, but we had way more aggressive, way more active schooly population in earlier. Um, and so this really shows you me and all of the thought process that I go through. And I literally fish in every single scenario that you can come across from shore to fish for a striped bass. I'm talking about, I fished in estuaries, rivers, I fished in back bays, I fished in... Um, off the rocks, I fished on sandy beaches. Um, I fished on inlets uh, with huge amounts of current. I, I did it all, and it shows you all of it. And we, I, and crazy thing, crazy stuff happens in that podcast, in that podcast, in that in the show, in that episode. And that's this is just a pilot episode. So this episode's coming out, so we can hopefully show uh, a bunch of companies this, and uh, we can uh, get some. Uh, more traction on it um, and also hopefully be able to uh, partner up with uh, some companies so I think that that it's a super it's it's legitimately the most high quality striped bass video out there to date I don't care if we there there are huge big big budget stuff out there this is blows that stuff out of the water it's the it's crazy and this is going to be a show where it literally like so i catch pretty decent sized fish um i don't think there's anybody out there that is going to film it at this quality and really film i don't think anybody out there is going to film bass to the size that we potentially have the ability to catch if i'm good enough and maybe i don't catch a big fish this year but you guys will be able to follow me through my season and what i think when i'm fishing but those episodes are going to be coming out much later in the year probably closer to the middle if not end of summer but this is a pilot episode this is going to show you the spring 
this is going to show you um, how hard I worked this spring and it's really we're trying to work really hard on getting it out um, nice and quick uh, and that I mean it's it's been it's been a it's been a grind it's been super fun we've done a lot of editing we've done literally um, 10 hour days of straight editing where you wake up you edit 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 eat food edit 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 just trying to get this out early right before the bass really start kicking into gear and so you guys don't because if you see like schoolie fishing in the middle of the summer it's not going to mean as much right now it's fresh in your brain how good the feeling of catching that first fish of the season was and it just shows you my my um reaction to catching the first bass of my season and um it's it's really it's really it's a really cool um it's a really awesome video it's so cool and i'm so glad to be able to do something like this um so yeah that was that's big that's like bigger news um yeah, and really, I guess that's, I don't have, I don't really have a lot else to talk about. I mean, I can start BSing you right now a little bit, but um, yeah, I think that I should really start talking about, um, I should really start talking about different topics, different tactics, not topics. I should start talking about different tactics I'm going to try to start in implementing to get these bass, these first fish of the season, because it's been... It's been a grind. I'm telling, or not the first fish of the season, but like the first bigger fish of the season. Um, so what's interesting to me, and I guess something that I really want to point out here, is flies have been the, on the menu more than any other thing that I've thrown. And I don't know why, but I guess it's just the profile and the action. They're loving eating flies. Uh, and I don't know, more. they're more aggressively eating flies than anything else. And quite clearly, larger fish are also eating those flies. Now, if I hook a 40-pound bass in my fly rod, see ya. <laughs> you know, like that's not going to end well at all. I, I can't even I won't I can't even think about hooking a 40-pound bass in the fly rod um, because, yeah, especially in the structure, yeah, it's it's not going to happen. Now, 40 inches with, um, you know, I'm literally going to tie 30-pound. This is going to make everybody so angry all the fly fishermen so angry i'm tying 30 pound fluorocarbon from my fly line to my um just straight to the fly um and the thing is the bass are aggressive they're eating the flies if i do that i can put 30 like i can put as much pressure as i do on 30 pound line onto the fish which is not going to stop it and if the bass wants to go into a rock it's going to get in there and the line is going to snap so everything would have to go right in order for me to land a big fish on the fly rod. But for some for some reason, they are eating it. They are absolutely devouring the flies. And um, yeah, I need to... Um, the reason I'm looking down is because I have a, all of my flies down there. But I have some really nice looking flies here. And um, yeah, I'm super excited to to throw maybe a few more of them. I don't know. I'm very tentative because there are some huge fish around, like really, really, really big fish around. And it's so close to the moon phase right now. I'm like, I don't think it's worth it because I know what's going to happen is I'm going to hook the fish of a lifetime on my fly rod and it's just going to kill me because I'm going to lose it. So I've been bringing big gear and that's, that's the most ridiculous. Let's talk about this. Um, my, uh, I'm fishing 80 pound fluoro right now. I'm fishing 80 pound fluorocarbon right now, which is ridiculous. It's really, really ridiculous. But if there are 50 pound bass around, I need to be able to land one of those. An 80 pound fluorocarbon is going to be the key to that. Now I'm fishing that at night to be grand, to be honest. Like I'm not fishing that during the day. I'm fishing 60 pound fluoro during the day. Uh, because I think that that is, um, I think that's the, the key to success there. Um, uh, fish still heavy, heavy gear. I don't like fishing, um, 50 because I think 50 is too light for bigger fish. And you'll be like, well, you're fishing 20 pound test. And it's like, yeah, cause I didn't think there were big fish around, but I just got a taste of my own medicine. I should be following my own, um, my own advice, you know? 
I should be following my own advice saying fish heavy, as fish as heavy as the bass will allow you uh, because um, I just totally got burned. And I got s completely screwed twice this year. I feel like I've lost every like every upgrade. Like you go from like schoolies to a keeper to like a 35 to a 40. And I've kind of followed that progression. But what I keep doing is I keep staying like schoolies. Then I caught, I hooked a 30 inch bass, lost it. Then I finally got up to that like 28 inch mark. So we'll call it about about 30 because I haven't really caught a 30 yet. But And then you hook that 40, uh, which skipped the 35. But I hooked the 40 and lost that too. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so, um, I, I guess it just, it's not, I'm not setting a good tempo here, but I'd rather lose fish early than late in the season. If you put it that way, like right now, this is bonus. In my opinion, this is bonus time. If I can land a big bass right now, I am, I'm doing very well. I'm a month and a half ahead of last year, a month ahead of last year, I'd say. Um, cause June 20th is really when I'm last year when I was start when I guided people onto 40 pound bass last year, June, June 20th. So, um, if we can get 40 pound bass, I, and I didn't, I, I'm calling it this year. I said, I said, there's going to be a blitz on the rain bait. Sure enough. Next day, blitz on the rain bait. I said, by that first new moon in late May, we're going to have massive fish around. And what would you what would you know we have massive fish around? So as I'm kind of circling back around here, um, eels are very, 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 very important when they are keyed in on big, big bait because a bass will eat an eel regardless of the profile uh, or the, regardless of what they're keyed in on. Now, um, I, I, I talk a lot about eels because I miss, I, I would never think I would be saying this in a million years, but I miss fishing eels because I miss the confidence that I have when I fish them. Because I know when I fish an eel, I know, like I know, you know, like I know that um, I can land the, the biggest fish uh, in that area when I'm fishing eels. And I know that that fish is not going to, pass up my eel so when i'm fishing an area i can fish there for hours and be like this is a good spot i know big fish move through here and if and when that happens i'm gonna hook it you know it's not like an if that happens it's a when that happens i will hook it and that's that like attitude and the mentality that i had last year when i started to catch a lot of big fish and i knew i was in spots that was beautiful structure and i knew i was in spots that held a lot of bunker and now I really saw where the bunker is offshore all and I mean it was the same thing last year really the bunker are huge massive schools offshore and at night the big bass that are feeding on those bunker come into the rocks and um there's a time and that time is about like I don't know maybe 30 minutes after sunset right before it really gets dark but that there's a 20 20 minute window that if you can match a tide with that 20 minute window and what I mean by a tide is either a low tide or a high tide, like slack low or slack high uh, in that 20 minute window, you have the best shot at landing a bass, at landing the biggest fish in the area the entire night at that one moment. Because that is going to be when the bass are either clicking on or clicking off. And what that means is the bass are either going to start staging up so they're not eating yet, so the bass... They come into an area to stage up right behind a rock and or they're already staged there and that's when they're going to start feeding. But if they're starting to stage up and you drop your eel right there, boom, it's pounding it. Even if it's still swimming right up to the spot and you're dropping your eel in there, boom, it's pounding it. And I got my three biggest fish right at that time. And I got uh, one on a plug and two on, two on eels. And so... What I'm trying to say here is if you know something's going to be, if you know you have structure that holds big fish, eels will give you those big fish if you put in the time. And what I mean by that is fish hours with eels in the spot. If it's productive, it's going to produce. But it's hard to, and this is, again, this is something that you have to do more with a fishing log. Uh, and by knowing your tides, knowing your, knowing the wind and knowing where 
like the bass should be here. Like if the bass should be here, they will be there eventually that night. Now, very rarely do you have the perfect conditions around a moon phase. If you have perfect wind, perfect everything around a moon phase and you're not catching stuff in an hour, wait, fish another hour. If you don't catch anything, fish another hour. And most, and then if you're not catching a thing on that tide, go back, come back on the other tide and maybe the bass will be in more than likely the bass will be feeding on that tide. So it really, I have to, what I am going to do, and this is legitimately what I'm going to do. Once this podcast is done and when we get closer to Friday, I'm going to look back in my log to a spot that I'm going to be fishing and I'm going to look at every single time I hooked a big fish there. And I'm going to look at what tide it was and what time it was every single time I hooked a big fish there. And I'm going to go and I'm going to fish there at the, the most average amount of time. So I'm sure on either side of the tide, I've caught big fish, but I'm sure there's one tide that has produced more than the other. And that's the tide that I'm going to fish, whether it is 10 o'clock at night or three in the morning. If that's the tide that's going to produce for me, that's where I'm going to be throwing my eels. And, um, and that is when like, I honestly believe, you know, if you really like, if you're a hardcore fisherman, you fish six days each month, or I guess 12 days a month, you, or you could fish 12 days a month and be as successful, if not more than somebody that fishes, I don't know, every single day a month, literally twice a day, every day a month, because you can fish three days before the moon and three days after the moon, twice a month, because the two moon phases, and um and still be able to do as well as everybody else just because that's when the bass are setting up so when somebody says oh i don't have enough time to fish you could spend i mean really you could spend one day around a moon phase a month one day a month around a moon phase you might not be as up to date with everything that's going on in the water like i know real time what the bass are feeding on how the bass are feeding uh what the aggression of the fish are why are the bass not feeding at night? Ah, oh, here's another great topic. I've yet to catch a fish at night this year. Um, and I have my theories about that. And I think I haven't been giving it enough time. I guess I did talk a little bit about this at the beginning. But I think that I need to give more time in the evening. Uh, and the reason I'm saying this is like the bass are either they're going from sunset being pretty active, like fairly active to then no fish. And why is there no fish there? So I fish both sides of the tide in areas. I am fishing off the rocks. The water is a little bit cooler. Maybe the bass are not being as aggressive, but then I'm thinking back in my mind, hey, I just saw a 50 plus pound bass. Not really, I mean, it was freaking ridiculously big. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say about that thing. I keep, look, I keep re like, you know when you see something and you don't like, it's so unreal to you and you just keep replaying it in your mind over and over and over again. Um, that's what I keep doing. And I'm like, damn, it really was that big, you know? Like I keep having to remind myself, it's like, really, is it that, is it like over 50 pounds? And then I like replay it in my mind and see this just ridiculously big fish just pound bait right beside me. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it was really that big. It was wide. It was like two fish stuck together wide it was ridiculous like two like 40 pound fish stuck together wide it was huge um yeah i mean re really like the biggest fish i've like ever seen biggest striped bass i've ever seen um again it was in the water but still huge like huge beyond huge so it was i would say it's at least 50 pounds but the fact of the matter is that fish has got to go somewhere at night it's obviously going to be feeding at night it's going to stage up if it's not feeding at night it's staging up and that's what happens at night. A bass is, if these big fish are chasing these bunker schools all day long, then they come to the rocks, they sit in a spot where they can either get an easy meal or be have a break from the tide. And they just hang out and they wait. And most of the time, bass are not trying to do nothing. They're trying to conserve energy to make energy. So they conserve energy by feeding on this, this the bait fish by hanging out behind a rock and just waiting. And then when this bait swims over the top of them and they whack it even if they're fat and happy because they ate six bunker earlier th that day 
if they're sitting there all night long and they're not seeing anything and then all of a sudden that reaction strike of Neil going over the top of them and then they whack it. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm so excited to talk uh, to our guest uh, about this, about eeling. Eeling is uh, because he eels differently than I do because he eels in rivers uh, and he'll talk about that in the next pot in the next podcast we'll talk about that and I don't really want to talk too much about it because um, yeah because then I'll take up what we're talking about in the next podcast but I think it's uh, I think it's really cool uh, it's very different it's not very different but it's a little bit different from what I normally do so uh, you know in so, you know the coolest thing and I talk about this even if somebody is just starting out fishing you can still learn something from them because not that this guy's starting out fishing he's been fishing longer than me but um i'm just saying that like even if you can learn so much from somebody even if you fish drastically different there's always going to be at least a little bit that you'll be able to be like huh i didn't think of it like that you know and uh if you ask the right questions when you talk to somebody that fishes a lot or you're listening to a seminar and you and you pay attention you're like okay i don't really agree with that i don't really agree with that and there'll be one thing that the person will say and be like huh that might improve me and i i i've gone to one seminar in my life fishing seminar and i was listening to this fishing i was watching this fishing seminar and i disagreed with every single thing that the guy said except for fishing an eel right up to your feet um, and being very methodical about doing it. And he was talking about being in an estuary, fishing eel right into the grass. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting because I thought, huh, that's pretty interesting. Sometimes I, once the eel gets close to me, I burn it in. And then I stopped doing that and I caught a fish eight, literally eight feet away from me. Boom, I hooked a bass and it was 40 pounds. So um, yeah, it just shows you that like sometimes you learn things from people and you just need to... I mean, not that like I burned it in, but like, I don't even know if it really changed me, but it was something that I just paid attention to. I was like, okay, we're getting close to the rock. So this could happen. And, um, I don't know there's, and it's something else, but I forget exactly what he said that really made me think like that. That's doable. Oh, eel skin plugs. I need to try out eel skin plugs, something I don't do enough. Uh, I need to make eel skin plugs. Um, Joe from Poom Plugs needs to get on that for me. I know he has some, so I need to go get them. I need to go get some eel skin plugs. Super, that's something I really want to do. Because I think eel skin plugs are really productive. Because looks like an eel casts further than an eel. It works exactly how you want it to. Um, and that's something that I want. I want. Um, yeah. So I think that, uh, I think that we've, this is it. I guess it's gonna be a little bit shorter of a podcast, but you're gonna have a banger of a pod. Our next podcast could be, could be an hour, could be four. So who knows? Because we talked today for an hour and forty five minutes, and it was just supposed to be us trying to figure out like what we're gonna do for the podcast, and we just went off. So and um, yeah, so I'm super excited. I mean, it's gonna be awesome. I wish I was recording today because that conversation because that was like we talked all about what we were doing the past few days and it was really cool um podcasts are so so much so interesting because if you think about it it's just a conversation between two people and you always want to be like a fly on the wall between conversation of somebody if they're interesting and if they have interesting topics to talk about like man i'd love to be a fly on the wall of like like a bill wetzel like talking to someone you know or like a John Skinner talking to someone. Like how cool would that be to be able to listen to them? Not comparing us to Bill Wetzel or John Skinner, but I'm just saying like that would be so cool to me to be able to listen to one of them talking for an hour about something. And um, especially about fishing. And I'm sure there's some some stuff like that out there somewhere. But um, yeah, in fact, I, I think I know of podcasts with Bill Wetzel and I don't know about John Skinner. But anyway, um, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, I'm just saying that like podcasts can be really cool because it can go really deep, even deeper than a seminar because you're, it's a conversation, you know, and I, I have probably very similar questions for him than you, that you guys will have, and I'll have different ones than you as well. But I think that podcasts are cool and I need to get better at interviewing people. Um, 
during the podcasts, which I, which is why I want to get more people on the podcast. And it's part of that. And hopefully I can work my way up and get better and better at interviewing people, uh, for the podcast. Okay. So that was a little bit of technical talk there, but anyway, as far as like about the podcast technical talk, but anyway, thank you guys so much for watching this episode of the Stripe Bass Hunt Show, that's Stripe Bass Hunt Show, this app, this podcast. Wow. I just lost my mind there. Thank you guys so much for watching this podcast or listening to it. Uh, and I will see you guys next time.